Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. The first warning sign that a project is in trouble, often, is that little twinge where we begin to search for excuses. You know what I'm talking about, that preloading of responses that our brain begins to compile, just in case. We think, I can start doing this, and if it doesn't work out the way I want to, I can blame it on blank. Some people even have a one-size-fits-all excuse which they can pull out of their back pocket at any time. Stuff like, I was a middle child, or I'm a Virgo, or the deck is stacked against me. And we often do this without even realizing it. So that we have a rapid-fire response in case someone or something challenges our status or lack of progress. Our brains can often seem to be in a constant state of excuse refinement. We never want to be underprepared. We feel much more comforted and in control if we have a ready-made excuse when the bill collector calls or the police officer pulls you over. The big problem here is that it serves as a constant reminder of all the factors in our lives that are out of our control. Excuses, even valid ones, can often lend themselves to self-fulfilled prophecy. It allows us to be complacent. For example, we don't have the time, so we don't make the time. So how can we avoid having an excuse-driven life? As DJs, how can we push forward in spite of the hurdles that we come up against? Now, to help sort this out, I've asked a special guest co-host to return to the show and help come up with some solutions to sort of common everyday problems that we encounter as DJs. Kilma is a friend of and also a contributor to the Passionate DJ podcast, and amongst other things, she's an experienced DJ, producer, and editor of Don't Kill My Vibe, which is a great website full of articles which would certainly resonate with most of you passionate DJs. Now, if you'd like to ask her a question directly, you can do that by sending a tweet with the hashtag AskKilma, which she uses to answer questions via her YouTube channel. Kilma, thanks so much for returning to the Passionate DJ podcast. Thanks so much for having me again. Really good to have you here. What's the weather like in uh, Winnipeg right now? Well, it's actually warmed up quite a bit, which means I can see the street. I can see the sidewalk. I want to go rollerblading, <laughs> but <laughs> there's still snow on the grass, so I should probably wait. Oh, uh, we got lucky. We're on a we're on a bit of a streak here. It's seventy. I think it's supposed to be seventy and sunny tomorrow. Oh, right on. Which for Ohio in the middle of March is not too bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. So we kind of been chatting back and forth in preparation for this episode and and doing a little bit of research. You know, you and I both have our own sort of uh, social media channels that we interact with our uh, followers. And and we hear a lot of kind of recurring what we're calling excuses. Yes. Um, And before we kind of get too far into that, I do want to kind of pop in a little disclaimer there. We're going to be using the word excuses throughout this podcast, and I don't want, I, I don't mean for that to to belittle any of these problems. Um, you know, these are very real problems that we deal with, and so when we say excuses, I don't mean to say, uh, you know, something like, uh, you should know better, or, you know, you can get around this, you don't, your problems don't matter, you know, it's nothing like that, but uh, there's the word excuses, you know, we're using that as a way to try to you know, find solutions to these very common everyday problems that might kind of hinder us as DJs. Does that seem fair? I think that seems absolutely fair. 
Cool. So I, yeah, I just wanted to kind of toss that in there because I, as we were kind of going over this, I just didn't want somebody to be like, man, excuses. Well, I have a kid and I have this and this and you don't understand. And so Mm -hmm. everybody's situation is different. So absolutely. And we all have our own struggles. Some of them are similar and they all have their own twists and, and we understand that. So hopefully we can kind of, you know, find some sort of, uh, common ground and some workarounds for some of these problems. So, um, if you don't mind, uh, do you want to give us the first kind of excuse that, uh, maybe you hear on a continual basis? Yes, I hear a lot. I don't have enough money to DJ. Hmm. Okay. So not enough money to DJ. So do you, do you think that this is a problem of getting started or or continuing to DJ? Well, some people are a little bit confused about what they are and are not supposed to be spending their money on, right? Advertising, okay. photo shoots, DJ gear. I find for like beginning DJs, that's a real struggle for them because a lot of this equipment is incredibly expensive and we don't all have that much money to drop on brand new gear. So it can definitely be intimidating for somebody uh, to become introduced into the DJ scene and then realize, you know, if I really want to up my game, I, I have to use better gear. So I find a lot of people say, you know, they don't have enough money and it has a lot to do with getting the proper gear. Yeah, one thing that I, when I was first getting started, uh there were two things that I did that I'll just kind of throw in here that might be helpful. Um, the first thing I did was I, you know, I had the benefit of coming into this whole DJing thing after, you know, DJ software existed and it was uh, stable and usable and that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, some people who may have started a little bit before I did, didn't really have that advantage. And so, um, you know, I already had a computer and I was able to at least download some software and, you know, try out these different pieces of DJ software and kind of get a feel for DJing, even if I couldn't, you know, adjust the EQ while I was adjusting the volume fader, while I was doing, you know, sweeping a filter up or, you know, I can't do all those things at once with a keyboard and mouse, but it does kind of allow you to get a feel for what it, what it means to begin DJing and what the DJ is doing up there, um, so that's kind of my one of my suggestions is you know start with software if you've already got uh, a laptop or a computer you can download either the full version or the demo version depending on what software it is that catches your attention um, and and st- kind of get started on this without really having uh, you know invested two thousand mm-hmm. dollars or whatever it is. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, once I kind of got to that point and got a feel for it, I started buying used gear, um, which is, you know, depending on where our listeners are are hailing from, is, you know, some people have more trouble than that than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of in a spot here in Dayton, Ohio, where I'm between several bigger cities like Cincinnati, Columbus, Indianapolis. So that's easy for me to say being, you know, having access to that that sort of used gear. But um, so that's one, you know, one way you can kind of get your foot in the door without making a huge investment. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, when I first started out, 
Um, I bought the original turntables and I spent the majority of my money on, um, on the vinyl decks and just a couple hundred dollars on the mixer. However, I financed it. So instead of spending all my money at once, I was able to make monthly payments and, uh, I was better able to budget the expense that way. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's definitely very helpful when you can, uh, either finance directly with the music store or even get a small loan so that you can, um, still have the gear practice or even what some people do is they rent out that gear, um, to try to make some of that money back. So there's a few Mm. options to go about it. Yeah, I have a couple of friends who who have done that. Um, here in my town, there was there are very few. I mean, you can count them on one hand. People that are known to have, say, uh, Pioneer CDJ two thousands and a DJM nine hundred, like the club standard type setup. Mm-hmm. And of those people that that I'm aware of that do have it, they've all basically paid for it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they can give a slightly cheaper deal than the music store, and they can also say, "Hey, I'll I'll drop it off, I'll pick it up," and that's just a bonus. So absolutely, yeah. So kind of, and I think that a lot of uh, you know it's fairly common these days to get uh, have those financing options from, especially from sort of like. Uh, electronics, you know, consumer electronics mm-hmm. manufacturers and stuff for higher priced items. Um, and a lot of them offer, you know, like 0% or, you know, six months, 0%, that kind of thing. Uh, so you're not necessarily spending more or much more. Exactly. And it just motivates you to get out and do more DJ gigs to pay off that gear. <laughs> Yeah. And, it, you know, if that makes people too nervous, you know, one thing that, that I like to suggest is use whatever you've got. So, for example, you know, I brought up the, you know, I already had a, a computer, so I used some software and got a feel for it. Uh, these days, you know, even compared to 10 or so years ago when I was getting started, there are just so many more options. You know, if you if you have an iPad you can you can pretty much get started. Yeah, you can do so much more nowadays with less. And do you find because you use what you have that when you go out to the club and you get to use the industry standard, it's just that much more exciting and fun? <laughs> it, it is. And I also have found that um, it it's made me, how do I want to put it, more, more versatile, mm-hmm. I guess, because I, you know... I'm the kind of person like I'm sitting here making breakfast in the morning and I'm like cooking eggs and making toast and I'm like using tractor uh, tractor DJ on my iPad just screwing around you yeah. know like and then I'll you go out to the garage and then I'll get on my text and I'll scratch for a little bit and then so I'm constantly kind of flowing between these different uh setups yeah. and then when I go to you know a lot of the shows that I play here are on the the sort of club standard setup yep. the pioneer thing and so i kind of get a feel for all these different things and it, it the more that you diversify like that i tend this is kind of getting off topic but y- you tend to uh be less nervous about encountering new equipment i guess i would say absolutely and that's one of the things that people are um you know one of their excuses the nervousness so i think that's totally right on topic 
And, you know, with the, the, the iPad thing, there's, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, iPad, I don't want to DJ on, on an iPad. I mean, the iPad DJing has, has really increased by leaps and bounds as far as its viability in the past two or three years even. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays you can get, you know, if you have an iPad, you can get a, a Control S2 or a, a Tractor Z1, which is like the little modular controller. And, you know, there are all these different options now that are starting to come out with, you know, iOS-friendly type mm-hmm. things. Um, so there are a number of options, you know, even with just the iPad itself with, a, you know, Tractor sells a, a headphone splitter. And basically what it does is it turns the signal into mono, but then it, it lets you monitor, you know, cue the mix in your headphones with no other audio interface whatsoever. So you're kind of trading your stereo signal to get that. But I mean, for what, 10 bucks or something, mm. that's not a bad cost of entry if not you've already all. got an iPad. So, um, so we'd kind of, uh, as we were coming up with these points, uh, wanted to come up with these kind of like, I, I've been calling them five minute wins, but they're basically just these, you know, what's one, one easy suggestion that will really help a listener who's struggling with this particular problem, uh, just something really easy for them to do, um, to help them out. So the one that I came up with was, uh, for this one was to, so I have this, uh, controller guide. It's called the, uh, best DJ controllers, the ultimate guide. And I update this about once a year, uh, which you can go to passionatedj.com forward slash controllers. And in there you can, uh, they're basically they're like the top, my top five recommendations for DJ controllers in three different price categories. So what you could do is um, scroll all the way down to the middle or budget offerings and find a controller that you think that is kind of your goal. And this is assuming this is somebody who doesn't already have equipment, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, Pick a controller and then write that down and write that price down. And what the and that's it. And that's basically, that's my little five minute win. And the, and the reason that I emphasize that doing that is because now at least you have a goal. So if you decide that I want to get the control S2, it's $299 or $399 or whatever it is now, then you write that down. Now you actually have a hard number that you're looking at uh, and you know what you're working towards. I like and I that. think that that's like the, one of the biggest things that you can do if you're if you're trying to buy something is actually it kind of sounds kind of maybe cheesy, but it kind of, it's like giving yourself permission. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? To, to buy it or to pursue it. Yeah. Or to save money for it. That's exactly. I've got silly little jars that are like tattoo money, Vegas money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way I will actually put it away. Cause if I put it in my bank account, I will, I'll spend it, but uh. well, you know, it's one of those things that if if it's something that you're really interested, you're passionate about this music, you really want to do, you know, it, when you come to the point like I need to spend two hundred dollars, I need to spend four hundred dollars for you know, for a lot of people, that's really intimidating. That seems like a lot of money, but at, at the same time, it's like, well, if I, if I skip you know a couple of uh, lunch outings per month and I do that for a year. I'm pretty much there. Exactly. You know, so it's just, it's kind of a prioritization thing, I think. I really like that. That works really nicely. Um, my five minute win is to call your local music store 
and ask them about their rent to buy and finance plans. Uh, Because even just making that initial phone call is putting you in that direction towards that goal. I find knowing what those payment plans are kind of make me feel better about where my money's going and what options I have. I also really like the rent to buy um, option because sometimes Mm. we don't really know what we want and we want to test out a few different types of equipment. So this is a really fantastic way to get to try things before you buy them. I love that suggestion too. It's uh, There's something to be said for just making that phone call. And I think that maybe some listeners who are considering this might just start thinking about finance options Mm -hmm. or trying to convince themselves that that's okay or not okay. But you know, knowledge is power, right? So, absolutely. Uh, you know, calling and just calling these places and, and doing that research and finding out, you know, doesn't hurt to know. Mm-hmm. And then that might kind of at least set you on a path towards getting whatever it is that you need. Exactly. So, I'm, I'm going to kind of take that, um, that I don't have enough money to DJ excuse. I'm going to give a very similar one, which is, I don't make enough money as a DJ. Yeah, I love this one. Yeah, <laughs> which is, I mean, story of my life, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, do you have any suggestions on how people can make more money or start making money at all yes. DJ? Yes. I think that it's really important that we learn how to negotiate our wages because mm. a lot of artists are undercharging or not charging at all because they, you know, if they've spent all this money on gear and they're just so desperate to play that they, they play for peanuts and we have to stop doing that because the people that get repeatedly booked are often the ones that are being paid. And it's because these bar owners see value in that artist and that artist sees value in themselves. So they tend to invest more in their brand. So, negotiating your wage, again, knowledge is power. So learn how to negotiate your wage so that you can go to that club owner and say to them, I think that you should hire me. I see what you've got going on here. This is what kind of demographic I can bring in. And I can also do this, this, and that. For me, when I'm negotiating a wage, I can design the flyer, I can worry about the video, and I have a lot of marketing experience. If you don't have that sort of experience, again, knowledge is power. You can go out there, you can learn that stuff. I offer a lot of that advice on my Don't Kill My Vibe website. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, check it out. Uh, Just as a side note, I mean, uh, this is kind of your specialty, right? Is this, uh, not necessarily making more money in general, but, sure. uh, as far, as far as like, uh, knowing how to kind of brand yourself and present yourself as, as one entire package, like this is what I have to offer. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and that's really it, just believing in yourself enough to ask for that money is, huge for artists. And I think that's where a lot of fear comes from for negotiating because they think, well, am I really worth this much? So yeah, negotiating a wage and learning about what these owners are willing to pay for. Do you, when you go to a new, like a, whether it's a a club, club owner or 
whomever is is responsible for hiring you do you have a set like a kind of a hard line price or how do you go about uh do do you have a number that you present them initially right you don't have to tell what it is but i'm just curious (laughs) if you if you go in with that approach or not i typically i would have a sit-down meeting um and i would have done a bit of research and i've i would have already kind of had an idea of what kind of parties they've been putting on i might have even checked some of them out so that I can ask them questions about how they feel those nights are going, what they like about it, what they don't. And then I can really approach them with what I can offer outside of what the other artists they're working with are offering, whether that's introducing a new demographic or presenting a brand that is far more established. Um, And then once I kind of figure out how much money they typically make either from bar sales and cover to how many people typically come in, then I can work a deal around there. It's, you know, it's dependent on that individual, um, club. I love that. So you kind of cater it to the individual venue or, or promoter or whomever that you're working with. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, through that, um, in, you know, instead of going to a promoter and having them book you for an hour and pay you like $50, now you go to the club, you sell your brand image um, event idea, and they pay you. And then you can hire what DJs you want, and you have full control over how everything's played out. So there's a bit more responsibility, but I feel like it's worth the money that you're going to be pulling in. I think also, um, I, I tend to, I try to keep, you know, perspective here because I, I approach this from kind of a, uh, nightclub ish perspective. But, um, one thing that's worth mentioning here is that, uh, at least in my experience, if you're trying to make money, you're uh, you're a lot better off doing kind of like mobile DJ gigs, mm-hmm. so weddings and corporate events and that sort of thing. Yes. Because um, it's harder, not impossible, but it's harder to make good money uh, performing as an artist rather than kind of like DJing as a service. So when you DJ as a service in the, you know, like the mobile DJ thing mm-hmm. where you're providing your own sound rig you're showing up, you're, you're talking to the bride or whoever that you need to talk to about what their expectations are and all that. Typically, you're being hired for a job, a specific job, and I, I, f- I find that people are more likely to pay you well to do that, even if it's not a recurring theme. But if you get enough of these one-off things, um, I think that's a really good way to, to make money is to, is to really consider doing those types of gigs. Absolutely. That is actually what sort of gigs my mom does because she is a wedding social and wedding DJ. She does corporate events as well. And that's awesome. Yeah, it's so awesome, but it is a lot of work. You got to remember people's names, you got to introduce them, and there's a whole procedure and games. So, yeah, you can definitely make what the heck doing mobile gigs and uh and this is a great I suggestion mean, for somebody who has like a really music. 
Yeah, this is a good suggestion for for somebody who has like a really outgoing, like extroverted personality yes. too. If if you can do the MC thing, that's yeah, that's huge points for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you can't, there are lots of different workshops. Actually, there's hmm. my mom. One of the workshops she went to was in the states, so she drove out. <laughs> that's how committed she is to her passion. Wow, <laughs> she drove out. How there. much of a drive is that? It. Uh, she must have driven for at least 10 hours. Wow. Yeah, and then stayed in a hotel and and they practice it and they tell you what you're doing right and wrong and you learn and it's just really fantastic. It helps build a lot of confidence. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Did she, did she feel like that was a positive experience for her? I don't really have a lot of, uh, I haven't talked to a lot of people that have kind of gone to educate themselves that way yes. in the DJ realm. In the wedding DJ world, they have these workshops all the time. I didn't realize this. Like we might make fun of wedding DJs because they're playing top 40 music that we might not enjoy as electronic artists, but they have got their game down and they're charging their worth. I mean, the place that she went the minimum they want to do charging was $1,200. And even some of the guys in my city charge up to $3,500 for a wedding and people pay it. So, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It, to, to, from somebody at least coming from the perspective of club DJing, that just, that's just so that's <laughs> so out of my reach. <laughs> yeah, and, and these guys, some of these guys are doing these gigs, like, you know, they're doing a couple a weekend. So yeah, it's, it's quite incredible, but yeah, I hear lots of fantastic feedback about that stuff and, uh, people just, they feel more confident. They feel like they're doing it properly. They feel better about charging their worth too. So again, knowledge is power. Um, so did you know anything about like music grants? Oh yes. This is another thing. So when you become incorporated, you can apply for a lot of different types of grants and you also get to write off a lot more as an incorporate or as a corporation as opposed to just on your own. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So I couldn't go into too many specifics because we'd be here all day. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, it's It'll take you like maybe 30 minutes to go get your business registered and a lot of places within your city. They're really fantastic. Um, they'll help you if you're having difficulty. I would definitely go in and talk to someone as opposed to applying online. Um, and then, yeah, there's just, there's so many more benefits going that route. And also, yeah, applying for grants. I, it's, there's this woman actually I was speaking to about it. She's in film and she gets film grants all the time. And uh, yeah, she's, she said like she didn't realize it until she went to film school and they start teaching you about all these different opportunities you can get. So yeah. So my sort of little, uh, my quick suggestion, my five minute win here for the uh, I don't make enough money as a DJ excuse um, very simple one. Just write down what your new minimum price is and stick with it. So this requires you to kind of know your worth. 
um, which is probably an entire podcast on its own. But mm-hmm. it, I think it starts with what you were talking about going, you know, doing that homework, going to the venues, uh, talking to the people, doing that research to find out uh, what would be worth it for you and what they would possibly be willing to pay somebody to do this service or to perform um, kind of at least gives you a starting point. And it's going to vary, you know, like you said, per uh, venue, per person and all that sort of thing. But I think it's important to, uh, if you're doing this and you're trying to make money, to figure out what your minimum is for that scenario. Absolutely. And if I can add to that, when you're negotiating, don't start with your minimum price ever. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, never, where you start, never. Like, do you start, do you start on your, like what you think is too high or because I think some people will do that. Like they'll set the bar as high as they can and then come down. But obviously the fear there is that they'll price themselves out of the market or whatever. Yeah. Um, Oh, again, it depends on the situation. Sometimes owners will offer you a price and you're like, yep, okay, let's do this. <laughs> you don't even have to say anything. Uh, yeah. If you're giving them a price, make sure you ask a bunch of questions first and then uh, state it. I would, yes, go. I would go above um, and learn how to compromise, right? So if you're asking for $450 for the evening and they're like, look, we can only afford $350 and your minimum was $400, you can say, we can do $350 if I get a $50 bar tab because it doesn't cost Mm. them as much and you were going to spend that money on drinks anyway. So, (laughs) you know, it might work out for you that way. Um, But yeah, I I usually recommend going a bit higher, as long as it still sounds reasonable. Um, Scott McCuster uh, of the Cyber Groove Agency, he actually has a guy that does negotiations, and I would love to learn from him because, nice. yeah, they they know their stuff. I was on a, uh, a Skype call a couple days ago with one of our listeners, actually, um, uh, his name's Kyle. I won't give his full name because I didn't really ask permission. But um, he he uh, actually owns a, a mobile DJ business, and he he was a DJ, you know, several years ago, and then got out of it for many years. He's had a successful career outside of DJing, and he's uh, a little bit older now. He's in his you know late forties, I think, and he's getting back into it. And so he bought this DJ business, and so he was kind of talking to me about, you know, we were going back and forth on what he charges and and how he goes about that. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I told him, he was kind of asking for advice, like, should I, should I charge more? Or, and I was like, well, you know, I don't know the market where you live. I don't know what your situation is. But I, I said, do you have trouble getting gigs now? And he said, no. He said, my weekends are full. Uh, you know, I've got a day job, but I, my weekends are full. I've got them, you know, booked out for the next several months and so on. I'm like, okay. And I said, do you feel like you're making a good amount of money now? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, I agree. I mean, I was, I was amazed at how much money he was making doing this. So, uh, and I said, well, then what I would do is start 
jacking your price up until the amount of gigs starts coming down. And that will tell you what your worth is in that market, uh, which I think is probably a better approach for what he's doing, which is the mobile DJ thing. But I mean, it, that at least kind of, you know, he said, I have more gigs than I can play. And I said, well, keep, you know, keep jacking the price up until you don't, you know, <laughs> is, is one way that you could approach that. Yeah, I like that idea. There actually, I read an article by one of the guys that does a lot of those workshops for mobile DJs, and uh, he talked about how he had his fee at like seventeen hundred, and the people that couldn't afford him didn't book him, and the people that could didn't want to because they were iffy about the price. Like maybe he's not that good, mm-hmm. so it actually upping it you know, a few hundred dollars more, he started getting Uh, gigs again. It's so strange how... That perceived value. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I mean, the amount I might charge for a fashion or art show will be different from a nightclub, even though there's not necessarily cover and I'm not necessarily bringing people in, but people see value in booking artists for those types of shows. So... Yeah, there's quite a bit of flexibility, but a lot of people don't know that. And because a lot of people aren't charging their worth because they think, well, I have all this competition. If I charge my worth, I won't get a gig. They're no longer letting the promoters and the um, club owners take on as much responsibility. So you find a lot of people not pushing as hard, like clubs Mm. that aren't putting money into their advertising because they're expecting the DJs that they pay $150 for five-hour gigs to do all the promo and then threaten their gig. (laughs) So, yeah. Absolutely. So do you have a uh, a, a quick suggestion? Yeah. My five-minute win is to brainstorm... What services you can offer outside of your competition so that you can charge more? So maybe it's design, maybe it's marketing, video, sounded setup. So for example, if they usually hire a sound guy, but you already know how to do sound, you can just add that into your price and do all of that. Yeah, that's that's a great suggestion because I think, you know, a lot of us uh, DJ types tend to wear a lot of hats, whether it's, you know... I, depending on who I'm talking to, I call myself DJ, producer, promoter, marketer, you know, whatever. You know, we, we end up covering all these different roles. Uh, so that's, you know, why not leverage some of that that we're probably doing anyway and, you know, see how we can uh, use that as a value add to whoever's hiring us. Absolutely. Yeah, a, I love it. Uh, so you want to move on to the next uh, next DJ excuse? Yes. I hear this one all the time. This is why people hire me. I don't have enough time to get to dedicate to DJing. Mm, Not enough time in the day. That is the eternal issue. Mm -hmm. So what do we do about this? I mean, we can't just magically add time to our day. What? So this is is obviously like a time management thing usually, right? Absolutely, Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I guess the, the most important thing is figuring out where this time is going. Take right? inventory. 
take inventory. Exactly. I mean, it's. I I think that if we had somebody following us down, like taking a log and writing down every little thing that we did all day, we'd probably be shocked at how much free time we have. It's like all those quote unquote free time. Yeah, it's like looking at all those Starbucks coffees you've been buying. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like I could have had a Maserati by now or something. <laughs> So, I mean, do you have any suggestions on this time management thing? How do we get over this hurdle? Uh, There's a few different ways that you can go about it. Uh, Me personally, I started working part-time. So I figured out, okay, where can I cut down on work? Do I need to work my job, you know, 40 hours a week? Or can I cut back on some of those hours, still have my safety net so that rent gets paid, but I can put more time and energy into my passion, which will naturally uh, generate more revenue. And Mm. because I am putting myself at risk, I'm going to work harder to make sure that I make that additional money. And it's already what I love to do. So if I'm not spending time at a job that I dislike, I can feel really good about doing my passion when I come home from a four hour shift. Yeah, I like that. I, so my approach to this has been, and this, this was all kind of occurring here at the Genesis of passionate DJ where I kind of transitioned. I had a day job as a systems administrator. So I was managing servers and doing it geek stuff. And, uh, I moved into, I was able to move into a, a telecommuting position so I could work from home. So that was kind of my my transition into uh, what eventually became me leaving and going it alone and starting my own business that allowed me to get that income and kind of take take charge of my own time. Um, so now that's where I am now. So I have a, a business that my wife and I operate from home, um, and I kind of got got there by way of you know, getting used to being home mm-hmm. <laughs> by doing this telecommuting thing. Now, this isn't an option for everyone, obviously. You know, people, uh, most people can't uh, start their own, you know, cut cut back to half time, let alone start their own business, and not everybody wants to, right? So um, my kind of little five-minute suggestion for just one step that they could take towards helping gain some of that time back and something that's been super helpful for me because I didn't gain any time when I started a business, definitely, <laughs> but it just put that, it put me in charge at that time. Um, we have a surprising amount of charge over our own time that I think people don't really, I feel like people let their schedule make them instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so what I tend to do is I, I make, I'll call it a calendar, but it's not even that. It's more like a to-do list or a task list. And at the beginning of every week or whenever I just feel I need to do it, I take a you know, notebook or a scrap sheet of paper or whatever, and I just write today. And then I write down whatever tasks that need to be done today and put a little box next to it that I can check off. And then I'll write tomorrow, and then I'll write you know, Friday or whatever. Um, I might do a week out, and that's it. And even if I only have two, three, five items on that list and they're little tiny things, first of all, checking those off feels amazing. Yes. I mean, that's like instant dopamine hit by just checking one of those things off. Um, 
but it also it if it lets you track and see okay i actually did accomplish this much it helps you prioritize what you want to get done and you suddenly figure out how to fit in all these little 5 or 10 minute things that would make a huge difference in the long run towards your towards your DJing or whatever it is that you're pursuing um, but just never seem to happen mm-hmm. you know so that's my suggestion is to is to plan out a simple calendar quote unquote or a task list for the coming week and find two hours in this week or the coming week to dedicate to something DJ related, mm-hmm. whether that's practicing, contacting people, it can be whatever you want, but find two hours in the week somewhere. And it, I mean, it could be one hour here, it could be one hour there. It could be four 30 minute sessions that you had, you know, maybe your lunchtime or whatever and find two hours. That's my, my suggestion. I love that suggestion because People find, wow, I accomplish a lot in a short period of time. And then it, then suddenly they want to spend more time on their passion because they're like, I got mm-hmm. this. I know what I'm doing. I just needed to plan yep. and make the time for it. Well, and if you never, if you never kind of plan that out or have, have a, a plan of attack, mm-hmm. then it's like you find yourself with the free time kind of randomly. And then you're like, oh, I've got DJ time now. Now what? You know, I'm not <laughs> so that, motivated. Whatever. Yeah. Well, they might not be yeah. motivated, or they might not really like. Okay, what's what's the best use of this 45 minutes mm-hmm. that I've got right now? Should I just go play some music? Should I shop for music? Should I contact a club owner? What should I do? Mm-hmm. But if you take the, you know, if you've already kind of written this out as a plan, then you don't have to think about it. When you've got the time, you just go for it. I love it. My five-minute win, and this is usually one that I give clients that are really having a hard time getting this um, through their head because it is such a lifestyle change, replace a hobby with your passion. So if Mm. you typically uh, come home after work and go straight to the TV, don't. Go and focus on your passion. Um, You know, if, you know, you wake up first thing in the morning and you, I don't know, knit mittens, that's a hobby, right? (laughs) I'm sure it's a hobby for somebody. (laughs) Focus on your passion. If you make those sacrifices now, that just means you can quit that day job you hate a little sooner, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to make sacrifices. And doing that is going to be replacing a hobby with your passion. So back uh, sometime in 2013, this was way early in the start of the podcast, I uh, interviewed Airwave, who's like a you know big time in the trance scene. And... We, we kind of talked about this a little bit. He used to be a big gamer, video game guy. And actually, he used to work for Ubisoft, which is a huge gaming company. And he actually, he quit that entirely. He threw out all his consoles and or sold them or whatever and just quit playing video games because he decided that his um, his music was more important to him and he was spending too much time. And a lot of people are freaking out right now. I'm not telling you to get rid of your PlayStations, guys. <laughs> I haven't, so I would never make that suggestion. But just as an example, you know, some it's it's kind of a, a question of sacrifice. What what matters to you more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, and 
Isn't that an incredible um, question right there? I think you kind of mentioned it somewhere in this. Now I can't find it. Um, oh, never mind. It's in the next one. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> Delete all that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So I have uh, I have a suggestion or not a suggestion I have a uh, an excuse. Yes. Um, what do you think about this one? I don't have enough energy. I don't have the energy to DJ. I'm worn out at the end of the day. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do about that? I mean, it, is this part of the time management thing or is this something separate? Well, I mean, if. If you're not managing your time well, and that means that you're sitting on the couch for two to three hours, like your body is going to be like, yeah, I'm exhausted. I've been sitting here eating chips all day. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the reason you don't have energy is because of the hobbies you're involved with. They might not be uh, healthy. So like playing PlayStation for six hours every day instead of whatever. Yeah. For example. Yeah. Um, like I find time to go to the gym and that, um, gives me a lot of energy, but it's a nice hobby to replace, um, those other hobbies with that might be making you feel, um, like you don't have a lot of energy. So, you know, for those that think I don't have enough energy and I don't have enough time. Hmm. Why don't you go to the gym for 45 minutes, three times a week and uh, look at your health. What are you putting in your body? Because your body is going to react off of what's being put in it, what kind Mm -hmm. of um, activities you're involved with. So it might not seem DJ related, but you want, I mean, if you're looking to go on tour, um, how many famous DJs burn out because they're not taking care of their body and then they've got to cancel a bunch of shows. So if you can't take care of yourself now, what's going to happen if you become famous one day? And same kind of goes for the the mobile circuit too. Mm -hmm. If you're responsible for, you know, bringing all this equipment and, you know, all this pre-gig setup and all, you know, I mean, you've got your entire night made out for you quite often Mm -hmm. when you're doing the, the mobile DJ thing. Um, you might, you know, be working for six plus hours. You're going to have to carry a bunch of stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really important to to, to listen to our bodies and what the, what it's telling us um, when it comes to that stuff. Because, I, I mean, it will. It just wears on you quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing, too, kind of uh, the flip side of that coin, uh, the word energy could could also – we say energy and, and, and we th- we tend to think maybe tiredness. But uh, it, it could also be very mental thing. So what I'm getting at is, is it motivational, mm-hmm. I guess. So one thing that's kind of important is to, you know, if you're just feeling like, blah, I just don't have the energy for this. I really don't feel like whatever it is. Maybe it's time to reevaluate. I mean, do do you actually love doing this? And and is loving this a requirement mm-hmm. for you? You know, uh, some people, for some people it's a business or whatever, you know, I, whatever your approach is, is fine, but is, is it worth it to you? Why are you feeling worn out? Are you literally tired or are you just not that into mm-hmm. it? 
and what you know is it time to either move on or or you know rethink your approach you know are are you feeling worn out because you're not having the success you want and then you know okay let's go down this path or are you feeling this way because you're not making enough money okay let's pursue that and figuring out what it is that's keeping you quote unquote down or having the blues about DJing i like that because reevaluating might mean like it was for me to rebrand. Hey, I don't like playing drum and bass music anymore. I'm into house and techno. I need to cut the cord and start fresh. It might mean the people around you are draining you. They could be emotional Mm -hmm. vampires. They might not be the type of people that are go-getters and working really hard. So it's really easy to fall into this mindset of, oh man, like there's nothing I can really do because so-and-so never made it. So I'll never make it. And I'm so exhausted. I don't want to try. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Um, look at the people around you. Are they draining your energy? Are you draining theirs? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the people that you surround yourself with has a, I mean, it makes a huge difference for sure. And I've gotten really lucky with that in my, in the local scene here with, as far as the the club and performance type DJing goes because I've I've managed over time to figure out who those people are that make me feel motivated mm-hmm. and hopefully vice versa and I, I mean that's huge for sure and to your other point about um, just kind of changing it up you know you changed your entire approach to DJing and your mm-hmm. persona and your style and all that stuff all at once um, I kind of have done a similar thing when it comes to uh, my production stuff. So uh, I, I intentionally got new software. I got um, a new keyboard and gear and I got a machine studio and I, I got all this stuff that completely changes the, I mean, it's not even the same workflow that I was using before, which is really scary because I've been working mm-hmm. in the same studio so- software in the same way for like 15 years. So, but I was feeling stagnant. I was feeling like I just wasn't getting anywhere. And it wasn't that I felt like it was the tool's fault. But at the same time, it was like, I just need to mix it up. I need something new to to get me back into Mm -hmm. it, to get my claws back into it. And so I got all this new stuff and this new approach. And I just mixed it up just for its own sake. And it's really been fun. It, It works. Isn't it incredible how we just change our environments or even just rearrange our room and then suddenly you've got this new outlook on life? Oh, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) You just move the couch and suddenly – and it's funny because that's the kind of uh, um, advice you hear in breakups (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you want to get past this really emotional, tough part in your life? Rearrange your room because when you wake up at five in the morning and knock into that <laughs> like end table, you know your life's going to be different. <laughs> it really does. Like it, I think some people might think that that's silly, but it really it, stuff like that makes a huge difference. At least for me, like uh, my wife and I are on this big like fresh start. We keep saying fresh start, and we're applying it to all sorts of things. We got a new kitchen, we got, you know, new this, new that, new approach, we got a new job. And we're just, we've entirely, what I did in my studio, we're doing to our entire lives right now. We're just upsetting, you know, we're just flipping the table. (laughs) And I mean, it makes a huge difference. It's just, it, it gets you out of a rut, you know, sometimes change for its own sake. You know, it's a good thing. Absolutely. 
Um, and to your point about uh, changing your your environment, your surroundings, that's huge for me. Like I can't. This might just be a product of my personality, but I can't work if I'm surrounded by clutter. Like even at least I can't work creatively. I can't write. I can't record podcasts. I you know I can't write articles. I can't do music. I can't mix. If I'm surrounded by clutter or a mess, all I do is go. Uh, I have to clean this first, and inevitably I do that every time. I'll, I'll start. Cl- oh, it's studio day. Let me spend the first half hour straightening yeah. my room. You know, but that's just how my my brain is. But uh, there are really interesting books and research done on how your surroundings reflect what's going on in your head. And Mm. I always think that's interesting because there are always like, even though it looks clean, there's always like a box or two that needs to be organized. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. There's always just like that. Organized (laughs) chaos everywhere. (laughs) But I used to live my life in chaos all the time. And with that rebrand came a complete lifestyle change and it took time and I've never been an organized person. I've always been fly by the seat of my pants and it worked for me for a good 10 years. And then I started working efficiently and imagine like how much stuff you get done in a shorter period of time by managing your time and your money and your energy in different ways. Absolutely. Um, should we talk about these five minute wins? Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna go right with with the distraction thing because that's so big for me. My five minute win is go to whatever your creative area is, whether it's your bedroom, your studio, your basement, your DJ booth, whatever it is. Go there and just remove one distraction. This could be your PlayStation. Uh, your PlayStation, a TV, um, clutter, whatever it is that pulls your attention away from being creative. There's probably something there, and you might not even realize it. So take five minutes, look around, and say, what takes me out of my creative headspace, and fix it. Love it. My five-minute win is change your mindset. (laughs) That probably doesn't sound like a five-minute thing, but... What I'm saying is start telling yourself that you do have the energy. If your thoughts become your actions that become your habits and you continuously tell yourself, I'm so tired, I don't have energy, I don't feel like doing it. I mean, just saying that right now makes me exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) Look yourself in the mirror and just those affirmations like, I got this. I'm totally going to rock that interview. I'm going to rock that pitch. Like they're going to love me. Um, I, I got this. I'm good. So start in yourself that you've got the energy and just uplift that uplift your own spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, so I'm not real big on like the, uh, like the secret kind of way of thinking, but but there's like overall as like some people take that as almost like a religion right but but there's a lot to be said for like the the message there is you know putting yourself in that positive mindset makes it possible for you to do these positive things and if if all you're doing is constantly giving giving yourself non-permission 
then you're just never going to do anything, right? So I think that, yeah, you're right. When you, your thoughts, you know, they become your actions in the moment. And then the more you do that, eventually they just become habit over time. And then, you you know, you don't have to, it's not a constant effort for you to be like, I'm being positive, I'm being positive. It just becomes part of your workflow and your approach. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it, I mean, it's even because you mentioned the secret and I laugh about it because like they have the right idea, but they just don't explain it enough. And that's why that book is so confusing because mm-hmm. All right, you want this thing and you can have that thing, but you have to believe that you can have that thing. And that's kind of how we do the goal planning for my business is like we need the clear vision. It's okay if we don't know right at this very moment how we're going to get there. But if we know the vision, then we can make a plan because then we can research all the things that we need in order to get Mm -hmm. that. And then we can break it down into bite-sized pieces that we can do every day. So you have to believe. Yeah, my only problem with the, with that, the secret approach yeah. is uh, people tend to stop before the execution yeah. phase. Yeah. So like if you just take the secret approach and then also do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, you still have to execute. You can't just right. plan and believe in yourself. You have to do things. Yeah, that's the first step, not yeah. the only step. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I like that. Do you want to move on to the next DJ excuse? I would love to. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I'm too nervous or anxious on stage. Ah. Do you struggle with this? Do you ever get Do you ever get the jitters, the gig jitters? Yeah, every single time. Even though really? I'm. Totally know what I'm doing. I, uh, you know, sometimes I'm, I think it's natural to get nervous, but sometimes I get nervous um, because of the people around me. Maybe they're kind of giving me bad vibes. Um, Mm. But what I find is sometimes I actually, uh, even though I'm scared, I end up turning that into like, all right, now I'm going to rock this set because this person's here and I really <laughs> want to show this person up. So uh, I don't know. I, I feel like fear is very powerful and it can motivate us. I mean, if I'm walking Absolutely. down the street and I feel like someone is following me, I might be scared, but I know I'm going to defend myself. So it's kind of that... It's like a fight or flight response. Uh, yeah, thing. yeah. So fear can be really powerful, um, but I know for some people um, they freeze, mm-hmm. and I think that's what maybe some people are experiencing as well. I tend to be pretty good about this, um, but I also I play a lot of gigs that are very comfortable for me, and I I realize that. I did have a situation as maybe a year or two ago. I played in Columbus, which is about an hour from me. It's not not too far. And I'm familiar with a lot of the guys in the Columbus scene. We all kind of, Dayton, Cincinnati, and Columbus all are almost like one big scene. And But I went up there. I was playing for these guys for the first time. And for whatever reason, I got up on the stage and I just, I kind of freaked out. And 
I think it was because there were a couple of reasons. A, I was playing in a new venue, a new crowd I wasn't used to. What if they don't like my style? You know, the, the general stuff. But then I got up there and I was playing Timecode Records, which always makes me nervous to do somewhere that I haven't tested because I was I was borrowing the the DJ needles. I was using someone else's tables. I brought my own Timecode Records. Uh, I was using an unfamiliar mixer. It was uh, a Zone 62, which is a great mixer, but at the time I, w- I had not spent a lot of time on it, and it's laid out a little bit differently than some mixers, and so I, I kind of got up there and went, oh, crap. Uh, figured it out, yeah. you know, and it was fine, and once I got into the groove, it was great, and, and it was it was an awesome gig, but... You know, it was. I think it can happen to anyone. You know, I I don't. I didn't even consider nerves to be an issue until I walked up there and went, "Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just." I, it didn't even cross my mind, and then suddenly there it was. So I don't think. I think very few of us are immune to that. Yeah, and I don't remember who said it, but some fantastic artist said that if you're not nervous. <laughs> That's probably not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're probably not pushing boundaries, yeah. or um, you know, doing. You're not pushing yourself to the limit if you're not nervous about it. Probably, if you're if you're too comfortable. Mm-hmm. And we all have bad gigs. That's a really important thing to remember. True. My first gig was awful. And if someone said five years later, like, oh, remember that time that, you know, you played 15 minutes set and you sucked? I'd be like, really? After five years, you remember that? And you're okay. <laughs> I have like a five hour recording of one of my earliest house party gigs. It yeah. was a Halloween party. It was in the mid 2000s. None of you will ever hear that. <laughs> it's horrendous. <laughs> And the only but people, I keep it around just for my own motivation. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I have come, I have made it <laughs> somewhere. There. Exactly. There you go. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's really important to acknowledge the fear, accept mm. it, feel it, and then yeah, do it Yeah, don't try to any- pretend. Yeah. yeah, don't try to pretend like you're not scared. It, That's not helpful. Yeah, well, fear, yeah, fear is fine. Accept it, but then do it anyways, feel the fear and do it anyways. Um, and every time you do that, it just gets easier and easier. Uh, for me, I find it really helpful to make the dream bigger than the fear. So if my dream is to play Ibiza, um, at Amnesia, then, you know, doing a pitch to a club owner, (laughs) that's a walk in the park, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, make the dream bigger than the fear, the fear of rejection and be curious about that. So what is it that I'm really scared about? Is it rejection? Is it embarrassment? Um, and then I like to play the what if game. So what if this club owner rejects me? What if they don't want to um, hire me there? Well, I'll go fly somewhere else and I will have learned lessons from this experience and I will do a better approach. And heck, they might have been a complete jerk, so I'll be happy I'm not working with them. So um, yeah, be curious about that fear and play out that what if game. Another thing that um, I just kind of wanted to toss in for this point, um, you know, this kind of 
is one of the reasons I wanted to put the the um, disclaimer at the beginning of the show about these being excuses, and you know, this is not to belittle any of these issues that people have. Some people have truly, you know, severely crippling issues with anxiety that go beyond um, pre-gig jitters, you know, and and I realize that, and that's that's something different than what we're talking about here. And if that's something that, that you struggle with, that might be something that you want to get help with elsewhere. Um, as far as, you know, maybe you need to talk to somebody or see a doctor or figure out what that is, you know, anxiety and depression and all those sorts of things can really play a role. And if that's affecting you in your general life outside of DJing, then, um, obviously, you know, a saying, get over it and get up there and play on stage anyway, is not helpful to you. So, just to reiterate, we're, we're not referring to that type of anxiety. <laughs> this is like the jitters. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's going to be times in our lives where we lose someone that we really care about. Uh, tragedy strikes. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been in an accident. We've, we're going through a really rough breakup. We don't really know um, what people are going through and personally, I've gone through things in my life where I had to take a step back from my career because I wasn't going to be able to do it properly. So I can definitely relate to having really difficult situations and sometimes taking a step back is what you need. Sometimes throwing yourself into your passion is what you need at that time. So it's, it's all dependent on the individual. And I like that you say like, yeah, absolutely go out there and get help because it's only going to make you a better business owner. You will be able to Mm -hmm. empathize with other people and navigate through situations better because you're going to have an understanding that a lot of people don't. Yeah, absolutely. For me personally, um, it is just the the occasional jitters, and it doesn't happen too often, but I've noticed that when it does happen, it's usually a result of me being, or at least feeling, underprepared. Mm-hmm. So if I show up at the gig and, and I forgot something, like my headphones adapter <laughs> or <laughs> my music or whatever it is... Um, or if I if I just feel underprepared, I oh, I didn't really think this through. I was too busy all week, and now what am I going to play tonight? And you know, it's it's that kind of thing. So uh, my sort of uh, my suggestion, my five minute win for the uh, the nerves thing is to make a sort of pre gig checklist that you can reference any time before you're going to play, and uh, that way at least you've you've ticked all the boxes, you know, whether that's, you know, a list of equipment that you need to make sure you have all the time. Okay. I've got my USB sticks. I've got my hub. I've got my laptop. I've got whatever. And you can check all those things off. And that way, at least, you know, you don't have to have those nerves on the entire drive to wherever you're going. Did I remember everything? Do I have my music? You know, at least you've gone through and you've verified that you have everything that you need. So that's just my little quick suggestion for how to help with those nerves. I love that. Especially if you go to a gig where maybe you don't know if your music's going to go over well. And Mm. even just that additional preparing of having additional uh, playlists. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I realize now that I already said my five minute win. (laughs) 
Um, My five-minute win is feel the fear and do it anyways. You're not growing if you're not taking risks. So you might be really scared Mm -hmm. to throw that party by yourself or get into a new business relationship, Um, but feel that fear and do it anyways. You're going to learn something through that experience either way. Love it. Do you have one more maybe uh, DJ excuse that we could go over to kind of round round the show out? Yes, uh, I hear a lot. I have too many other responsibilities. Mm. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the club. I, hear, <laughs> I feel this one deep within my soul. Yeah. <laughs> It was funny because I was surveying loads of parents because I thought, what better way to really touch on this subject than to have um, the thoughts and opinions of people that are literally experiencing it daily Mm. Um, and talk about motivating oneself to utilize on the time that they have now while they don't have kids. Absolutely. Yeah, the... the the struggle is real when it comes to being a DJ and a parent at the same time, uh, especially when most of us tend to work like ridiculous hours. And <laughs> mm-hmm. So should I dive into some of these quotes or would you like to share your experience as a parent? Sure, I, I can start out. My Mine's not as difficult as probably some of the people who have who you've reached out to on this because... Um, we we're kind of in a co-parenting situation, so I'm a I'm a stepdad, and um, you know I've got me and my wife, and then she's got her dad and stepmom, and we all get along great. We all work together. Um, she's with her father for over the weekends, so it makes it really easy for me as far as the actual gigs go. So for me, it's more of a of finding the the time to do all of the the stuff that DJs have to do that's not actually playing at a show, you know. So for me, it's uh, you know track prep, shopping for music, uh, practicing, and then all my passionate DJ stuff, you know, writing articles and recording the show and that sort of thing. Um, for me, the key has been to have a, a really great partner. My my wife really helps out with with this for me. She's always been really supportive of you know me wanting to pursue music and work on passionate DJ and do these different things. And so for me, the key has been having a really supportive partner. I like it. I've actually. I hear that a lot. Um, I surveyed people that were both in relationships and single parents because I think mm. it's really interesting to see how single parents navigate through. Uh, For sure. Yeah. Um, so my first quote comes from B. Nuts. He says, Having a new child has made me appreciate the time I do have. Eliminating less desirable gigs has been a relief and has given Mm. me a creative boost. Thanks to my new family, I'm a better DJ. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. You know, that suggestion might be worth considering even if you're not a parent. Mm -hmm. You know, like kind of chopping off some of that low-hanging fruit and only, you know, kind of shooting high. Absolutely. Some artists think the more gigs, the better. But 
you could do um, the, four. The better gigs, the better. Yeah, the better gigs, the better. You don't want to do <laughs> four gigs at fifty dollars each when you could do one gig at five hundred dollars. So or one gig that that is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, depending on what your motivation is for being in this, I play a lot of free and cheap shows that are related to my local scene here because we're all kind of building this and we do this for the love sort of thing. But in the, you know, yeah, depending on what your, if your approach is or your uh, motivation is, you know, needing to make more money or needing to spend less time or whatever it is. Yeah, this is definitely a, that's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And just picking the gigs that make you feel really good about what your contribution is towards the industry. Uh, absolutely. The next one comes from DJ 504. He says, you have to manage your time. I normally wake up earlier than anyone on the weekends and get on my ones and twos. Mm. When everyone is awake and watching TV is when I download. If I really want to work on something, I'll wait until everyone is sleeping to practice. So for me, like uh, this is kind of time management as well, but um, my DJ booth that my home DJ booth is in my garage, which is uh, detached. So it's a separate building from my house. And I have to go out to the garage for various reasons throughout the day. My, I run my business out of there and, and so on. So basically, every time I go out there, my latest thing is I'm, I'm trying to learn how to scratch. And I'm, I've never been a great scratch DJ. So I bought a, uh, a scratch record from uh, Richie Ruftone. Shout out to him if he's listening. Uh, practice your cuts. It's a great record. But uh, so I've just I've been leaving it on my my, my uh, turntable, and then every time I go out there, I spend five or ten minutes, and I just I just cut away. I just nice. and do, do my thing, and then I go back to whatever I was doing. And you know, for people who have young kids, you might only have five or ten minutes at a time. Is is what I'm getting yeah. at. So that you know, it's time management, but it's also relevant to parents because parenting is one big. <laughs> uh, time management exercise, yeah. right? <laughs> Love it. Uh, this quote comes from DJ Veronica out in Vancouver. She says, my baby loves music. It's probably because I was DJing parties when she was in the womb. Music relaxes my baby, so playing records on my 1200s, which are set up in a tidy way in my living room, is a great way to soothe him. Now mm. that I have a little one, it takes a bit more planning and costs me a bit more in child's care uh, to do a gig. So I pick and choose the gigs that I want to do more than I did previously. I have several other DJs that I book out for other events. This year, I will be cutting back on gigs and I'm totally fine with that. And I think it's good to mention here that um, as these babies grow up, a lot of these artists find themselves playing more regularly again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a bit of a sacrifice, um, but you can still make it work. And it's not always like, oh, I, I have this new responsibility. I can no longer do this. I mean, it might be I need to back burner this for a while yeah. or I need to, you know, it's it's a priority prioritization thing. And it's fun playing with babies, so... <laughs> <laughs> I say that now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's fun playing with other people's yeah, babies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I'm done. I'm back. 
Uh, I got another quote here from a mama DJ, uh, Heather Yodaddy is what she calls herself. She's out in Calgary. (laughs) It's a balancing act, really, being a wife, mother, and DJ. The truth is I sleep very little and my caffeine consumption is high. There is no greater love for me than being a parent, a wife, and there's no bigger high for me than spinning tracks. There is no secret. I just put one foot in front of the other and keep my passion for sound alive. Nice. Yeah. So, so these are some some great comments from from people who are trying to parent and DJ at the same time. Which some people, I mean, this is a common struggle. I've seen this with with a lot of people that I know, especially single parents. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my really good friends is a single father, and an amazing DJ. I mean, one of my favorites locally. And I rarely get to see him come out and, and do his thing because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I get it. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, family first, always I push family first. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, you know, for me, raising a family can be stressful. Being a single parent can be extremely stressful. So, um, you know, I, for me going to my, decks and playing music is like therapy it's my at least when i'm playing on my own i'm not talking about gigging necessarily uh, that too but there there are times where i just go to my booth and just get lost in whatever it is that i want to hear and mix together in that moment um and so that i mean that that might be another thing you know if you've had a long day you know kids are going crazy or whatever maybe they go to bed at nine o'clock or whenever just take an hour and just play mm-hmm. your favorite music or whatever it is that makes you happy and and don't treat it as practice don't treat it as i'm i'm djing i'm trying to learn something or i'm trying to further myself just go and enjoy however much time you have to give yourself mm-hmm. i like that yeah that's really important get back into the passionate part of that Absolutely. Um, speaking on the the single parent thing, um, Kid Lantern and Serotonin uh, actually share custody with their exes, so they really utilize on that time um, mm. when they are apart from their kids. Um, Serotonin, I actually did an interview with her for DJ Mag Canada um, on how she manages that. And uh, we'll she, link that in the show notes. Yes, yes, we will. Um, so, yeah, she asks for help from friends and family. Um, actually, now me and Sean are auntie and uncle to <laughs> her kids because we watch them. But uh, yeah, sh- she is working with um, Sherry uh, out in, well, between Winnipeg and Vegas. So they're kind of flying back and forth occasionally as a killers. And they do this whole live set and singing and DJing and live PA. Like they're incredible. And she finds a way to do those out of town gigs and take care of her babies and make sure that they can be a part of, her passion and have fun and oh mommy can we have a dj lesson today and dance <laughs> and even when she came out to my radio show the kids were there dancing it was fun so getting the kids involved exactly in it. Yeah. so i kind of i haven't done that so much but i um so the guy i was talking about earlier one, one of my favorite local guys um 
one thing that we've done is on a day where um, where my stepdaughter is home, we'll have him come over on that day intentionally and bring his kid over, and then they can hang out and play while we hang out and play. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so it's it, it, some of us just like, okay, I'm a parent, but I know other parents who are DJs. They understand my struggle. Mm-hmm. How do we work this out? You know exactly. Um, Adam H out in the UK, his kids are now four and seven. Um, so now he has a small window while when they're at school, he can get quite a few hours in on music. But initially when his, uh, wife got pregnant, he was like out of town doing a bunch of gigs. Mm. He says, um, in short, if it's something you are truly passionate about, you will make it work. I think being a daddy and a DJ is probably one of the best things in the world. When my youngest was born, it was a little bit more stressful as he didn't sleep much and Natalie had some health problems, which required surgery, etc. Although being a stressful time, I don't think I had more than a weekend off from DJing. Luckily, we had a lot of good support um, at the time and it helped greatly. And it seems like this is what I heard a lot, that people are reaching out to family and friends and, you know, or they have supportive partners. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we tend to talk about our network and nurturing our network and, and that's not always just other DJs, right? I mean, this is, this could be other people who are just important to you that you're working together with to, help each other do, you know, whatever it is that you guys want to do. That's what I always remember about that passion and purpose podcast that we did with Casey Mm. Lane and Joe, um, of the dreamers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. How everybody just has incredibly supportive partners and it makes Mm -hmm. such a huge difference being able to follow your passion and having that sort of, team mentality. Absolutely. Do you have any more quotes from parents? The last quote I have here is actually from Trip. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hi, Trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Trip and Tony have the day off tonight. Yeah, so. <laughs> it was funny. As I was asking him about it, I was like, oh, yeah, he's got the day off and here he is. Like, here, give me some. <laughs> Working anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one foot in comfy dad bod superbia with the other still in the subculture I love so much. For me, it basically boils down to how bad do I want it and what's the opportunity cost. First, I have a really supportive spouse. She doesn't go to all of my shows. She actually rarely goes, but she knows that the music is a part of the package when she got with me. So she's supportive. Mm. So long as it's not destructive to me, our relationship or family. So playing shows a few times a month, no big deal. One night a week working on collaborative music projects at a studio with friends, no issue. Recording a podcast with Dave, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Countless hours working in my own studio on tracks or mixes, totally cool, since she knows I'd rather do that than watch countless hours of TV. The key for us, balance. So for every bit I dedicate to that passion, I also put as much into my family and career. So I will take time with our new baby daughter so she can Go do things she wants or needs, and we make time for us, too. I don't slouch when it comes to my professional life, either. Trip. <laughs> that's 
an incredibly awesome response. I wouldn't expect anything less from Trip, though. That's 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 really awesome. Yeah, he. I can definitely vouch for almost all of that. I mean, uh, so just in in relation to his wife Gina, uh, she's been completely awesome about this. There was um, maybe hi Gina. Also, I'm giving lots of shout outs on the podcast today. <laughs> um, there was uh, it was a week or two ago, and just because of how the timing worked out we we needed to do the egyptian lover interview we had uh mr shifter come down for the drum and bass episode and we had a normal recording day that we had already planned so i pulled him away three times three separate days for hours in the week and which is not what we agreed to like i i was asking way too much right and I, you know, I was like, please make sure this is okay with Gina. We'll work out whatever. And she was totally cool with it. And, you know, you can tell that they were really trying to work it out in a way that made sense for everybody. And, and I can really relate to that too. It's one of those things where, you know, my wife is the same way where, you know, as long as it, uh, she doesn't go to all the shows, she, she rarely comes out once in a while she will, but it's, Uh, It was kind of the same thing, you know, she knew what she was getting into when she got with me and that I was going to be doing all this music stuff all the time. And I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to force her out to all these things because it wasn't necessarily her thing. Um, But that doesn't mean we can't be supportive of each other. And I think that's really the key when you're in in a family situation is how much support are you giving each other? It's give and take. And if if you're spending all your time going out and gigging and not caring and and you know, never coming home, then, you know, obviously that's not going to be healthy for your, your family relationship. So it really is all about balance. That's a, that's a great response. Thanks, Trip. We appreciate that. Yeah. And just, yeah, to add to that, it, it kind of, it makes me giggle uh, when people see me out at shows and they ask me where my husband is. Oh, doesn't he support you? And <laughs> I <laughs> just like, well, at three in the morning, he's going to wake up and come pick me up and help me load everything in and then help me load it all in. And then tomorrow, he's still going to be awake earlier than me to make me a coffee so that I can still get to work <laughs> on time and not hurt anyone. So, right. Yeah, he yeah, supports not, not me. All, <laughs> yeah, not, not all support is like directly, you know, being at the show and fist pumping or whatever, whatever it is <laughs> that people assume, you know, that they don't see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he is so wonderful. And it's funny because I never worked as hard in my passion until I met him because he motivates me by just being him, by being the organized, um, constant executor, the somebody that's so passionate about what he's doing and goes above and beyond. So for me to do that with my passion, it was it just became habit. I'd already been passionate, but not to the point where I, uh, I was just so much more consistent in what I was doing. And he never, ever had to tell me like, Hey, you need to do things this way. He just, (laughs) uh, just by being him, it was just like, Oh, this is inspiring. Oh, this is what it it looks like. Okay. Yeah, there's a certain kind of, I don't know, synergy or something that happens when you, I mean, you just, you get into this cycle of support. And I I think that that's, well, I, 
I tend to think that it's rare, but you know, like you said, we had on the podcast, we maybe we all got lucky when we recorded that last show and, and all ended up with, with this kind of situation. But, you know, just having, you know, for those of us who are in, you know, serious long-term relationships, marriages, whatever, um, if that person really supports you in that way, and obviously if you support them in whatever it is they're passionate mm-hmm. about, I mean, it just makes all the difference in the world. It really does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, we ready for wins? <laughs> that was, uh, okay. My win was ask for help. Um, I recently got married and this is one thing I didn't really do and I should have done. <laughs> ask <laughs> for help. Ask people, ask the people that care about you to, even if it's like the tiniest little thing, just start asking for help from people because it's going to take away some of that stress. And it reminds you, um, just like what kind of support system you have around you. Yeah. Awesome. So mine is, uh, um, I, I wrote this article a while back, uh, maybe a year or so ago, and it was it was titled, let me make sure I get it right, Advice advice for DJs with Day Jobs, I think Ooh, it was. Yes, I love that one. Yeah, so that's my suggestion. It's about a five-minute read, so you can get to that by going to passionatedj.com slash dayjobs, and we kind of talk about uh, juggling responsibilities and that sort of thing. I'll try to link to it in the show notes as well, but mm-hmm. passionatedj.com slash dayjobs. Give it a read. Awesome. And we'll have to link, um, we'll have to link the article on how to your ultimate 2016 planner. Cause I wrote an article on how to actually plan <laughs> for mm. your career. And since, yeah, okay. you know, one of those things that we've been talking about today, is not having enough time. Um, yeah, I'd like to share that one with you guys. Okay, great. Some, yeah, we'll definitely put that in there. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, remind our listeners where they can get in touch with you. We can You tweet and you respond to people's <laughs> tweets um, often under the hashtag AskKilma, um, sometimes on your YouTube channel. Yeah, for sure. So I love to talk about... Um, struggles that people have within the industry. So if you have a question, hashtag AskKilma. You can also do this on Instagram. That would be so cool. Do like a video question for me. I would love that. Um, or if you'd like to stay anonymous, you can always email beats at kilmamusic.com. I'm sure we'll have a link for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh yeah, so my website's another great spot. It's don't kilma vibe. Dot com, and that's K-I-L-M-A. Uh, and uh, you can either leave comments there as well. Uh, all of my social handles are right there. So usually it's at Kilma Music for any social, but you can go there too. And you guys uh, definitely should check out all those resources because uh, if you resonate with Passionate DJ's message, you will resonate with Kilma's message. We we cover a lot of similar ground from from different angles, and so um, you should definitely check that out. You will like what she has to say. Thanks, man. Kilma, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having this wonderful show to help all these passionate DJs. Of course, we'll have to have you back again. Yes, you're just like a regular guest now. You're like part of the yeah. family. You're stuck with me. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionate DJ or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning.